Hello, this is Dr. Evan Hughes, and welcome to podcast number two of the Vitality Project. This segment, we're going to be talking about science, research, and other big words when it comes time to adjusting the food that you eat or adjusting your diet. I'm going to come out and be a little bit controversial here and say that almost all of the research I've read on how human beings should eat is pretty much wrong. And well, how can I say that? Someone had to have gotten it right. Yes, they got it right for individuals. They got it right for a few people. The problem is... Almost all of the research that I have picked up talks makes the, the following um, uh, argument. It, it lays out the following path. This is how a human being should eat. That doesn't work, and I want to get into why and why you need to be your own personal scientist, why you need to figure out your own food through your own research, and why it's more valuable than anybody with a degree or a lab coat. First of all, do you get the idea that a man and a woman should be eating slightly differently? And doesn't that just make sense? We have a slightly different metabolism, different hormonal needs, different skeletal structure and and metabolic output. That's the first thing, right? And believe it or not, the studies don't even get into that for the most part. This happens instinctually. We all tend to find our own food, but let's get it out there and get into a few more of these so that we can be mindful about our differences when picking diet that works for us. Another one is, is ethnicity. Now, it is absolutely true that we're all the same species. We're all human beings, and we can't eat leaves. We all have that in common. But the region that we came from, I come from a Northern European background versus who someone came from more purely Asian background or an African background, our bodies, through various different shifts in a thing called the epigenetics, have begun to change how our digestion works. Now, again, none of us can eat leaves. It's not that drastic, but it's subtle enough. With things like people of Celtic descent tend to be more susceptible to celiac disease, tend to be more susceptible to wheat than some of the other folks. Um, Particularly the Asian population has more trouble digesting milk, etc., etc. Now, it is possible to make changes over time and deal with those foods because humans are extremely adaptable in what we can get away with eating. It's one of our major strengths, and it's one of the reasons we walked all over the earth and continue to exist almost all over the earth, is that we do have a lot of flexibility. However, I am not content just to survive. I'm looking for optimum function and vitality. I want to look for the maximum expression of what I do. And hopefully you do too if you're listening to these things. Another thing that changes diet that we don't get into, uh, which I think is vitally important, is your career. What do you do for a living? Are you a stockbroker with extremely high stress periods followed by empty periods? Are you a construction worker? You're doing physical output all day long, lifting things. Maybe you're in construction, but you're a supervisor. You have to always be on top of stuff or a restaurant manager. All of these things require a different output of energy, some physical, some mental, some emotional, all require different chemicals, different enzymes, and different nutrients to be gathered from the food, different minerals, right? So you have to adjust your, uh, your eating based on the career. Another uh, subset of career is offspring. Do you have kids? <laughs> kids change your diet. They just do. Either they don't eat everything on the plate or they want to eat all of your food, and you have to constantly adapt getting their metabolic needs met so that they can grow up strong and healthy as well as yours. How many kids? Are they male and female? The list goes on. Another big one is activity level. And not only that, but the type of exercise that you do. Someone who does weightlifting needs different minerals and nutrients than someone who does marathon running if you want to be healthy. Another major category is looking at 
your activity level. Not just in terms of how much physical activity you're doing, how much exercise, how many times you go to the gym, but what kind. Um, someone who does uh, aerobics or marathon running, something to do with cardiovascular or metabolic conditioning is the, the more interesting term now. Folks like that are going to get more impact out of carbohydrates and fat. That's going to matter a lot more because it's long-term energy. Versus someone who's doing powerlifting needs to monitor their protein in a different kind of way because they're building more so than a marathon runner is building. So all of these things are significant, but the levels change based on what you're doing. Now, it's interesting. Some athletes, some individuals, some people are built more for running. Some individuals are built more for picking up a car. They're just outrageously strong. But your activity level is actually more important in terms of what kind of nutrition you need to modify your diet to get. And I am a firm believer after 11 years as a chiropractor and 20 years as a martial artist that what inspires you is the most important part of your physical activity, your exercise. And then the diet has to follow to nourish the body while you do what you love. Another category that's seldom talked about is age. As you age, as we get older, our diet has to shift. And I've said, you know, when you're 18 years old, you can eat cardboard covered in salt, sleep two hours a night, and run out and play two basketball games and then stay out late the next day. And then on Sunday, maybe you take an hour's nap and then all of a sudden your system is reset. As you begin to get older, you lose the ability to eat anything and have seemingly little symptoms. Now, while it's true that while you're growing, especially in the teenage years, how you eat will affect many things, even if you're not aware of them, and it will affect how you grow. But as you age, not only do you become aware, become more acutely aware of how things are affecting you, how it affects your energy output, the needs also shift. I am of the firm belief that you can keep any one of the skills that you wanted to, any one of the attributes, be it flexibility. I had a 70-year-old yoga instructor when I was a teenager who was more flexible than I was. It was phenomenal. You can keep the strength. I always think of an old Russian wrestler with that stout Russian posture and the barreled chest, and those guys are so strong, even though they're of a more advanced age. But as you get older, you don't get to keep everything. You have to be more selective, and the diet is the same. You need to modify and shift so that you can still continue to get good performance out of yourself as you age and be more deliberate. You know, you have to decrease the calories and increase different types of nutrient density that an older metabolism can get easy access to. And there's a lot more to say on the subject of aging, but I'm going to leave it there for the moment on the subject of diet and aging. Another thing that I love is there are some systems out there that talk about shifting your diet with the season. And doesn't it just make sense that your blood chemistry, meaning the number of proteins in it, the acid-base balance of it, how thick the blood is, is going to be different in the wintertime than it would be in the summer? That just made sense to me at an early level. And so if your blood is different, the kind of nutrients that you need to eat and ingest from your diet should also be different if you're going to want to take load off of your body. So you want to be mindful. Now, you could shift it based on two seasons, more towards summer, more towards winter. That's not bad. At least there's some mindfulness there. Or you could shift it on the four seasons. In Chinese medicine, they have a fifth season, if you will, which is the transition between the seasons. As a side note, I've noticed the people in my practice who transition the season the best have one day where they sleep 14 hours straight, and then they wake up the next day, boom, and they're fine. The rest of us are a little bit groggy for a week. 
that's the fifth season that they're talking about in Chinese medicine. And food should be adjusting accordingly. Another thing you want to adjust food around is your local availability. So let's say that I were to move to China. There's different soil there. There's different local foods, different local fruit. If I'm eating meat, the livestock are going to be consuming different things. And so being able to be adaptable, eating more locally makes our biology more at peace with the environment. There is something that's been discovered by certain communities where if you eat local honey, it decreases the symptoms of any allergies that you have. And that makes perfect sense to me that bees that are grabbing pollen or elements of the pollen from the plant, interacting with those plants, that are then putting it into the raw honey, it can't be pasteurized, that your body's getting another chance to look at and change itself to adapt to the local environment by ingesting the honey, right? It is also a theory of mine that one of the reasons we're having so many allergies and so many allergic reactions crop up in this day and age is a lot of our food is coming from thousands of miles away, hundreds of miles away. I believe that eating locally actually changes a great many things in your health and that requires you to adapt. It's not possible for us to have a researcher in Helsinki, Finland tell you how you should be eating in Concord, Massachusetts. This is, again, some of your own personal research. Another major factor in nutrition that I don't think is talked about enough is your attitude about food. This is significant. And this ranges in a thing called the placebo effect, where if you believe something strongly enough, you can create the effect in your body. But I would love to see it renamed because placebo was only talked about when it's trying to disprove something. Oh, that only had an effect because you believed it. How come nobody sets out to work with the placebo effect directly and say, man, you know what's going to heal you of your cancer? Oranges. If you eat oranges, your cancer will vanish. It will just run right out your toes through your body by some kind of bioenergetics. Now, I picked oranges out of the air, but there's a piece of your brain as you're hearing this that is going to hear me and say, yeah, oranges, cancer, that it's going to combat that. And your immune system will begin to shift to make it true. Now, it may only shift 1%, which would be fantastic. It may shift less than 1%. But if you have a personal connection to food and something that you love to do, it will make a greater impact. Mine is doing smoothies, particularly raw fruit smoothies, because it's something my father and I share together. We go on a, a juice fast for five days and do nothing but. And we complain about how it is we'd like to go out and eat french fries and like to have potato chips, but we're going to stay on the path for the five days of the smoothies. It has more of an effect on me because of my mindset, because I get to share it with my dad. The last one, this is a tricky one because it changes over time. It's called the SED principle. SED stands for specific adaptation to the imposed demand. And this talks about the resilience I alluded to earlier in the podcast, where humans have an extremely wide range of variety of what we can eat and survive with. And some of it is we can just eat it and we'll get energy. But some of it is through adaptation. As we start to change the enzymes, we start to change our blood sugar, we start to change our fat stores based on what is available in the area. And so where you are right now in your body's expression of digestion has to do with how you have been eating. It has to do with all the factors we talked about and then how you've reacted to it. If you begin to change, you want to be mindful of how long it takes your body to gear itself for the new diet, how long it takes to switch everything around. I have another podcast we'll be doing on nutrition labeled Grumpy, which is talking about letting this adaptive process happen while at the same time maintaining a quality of life. It's not so easy, but to be mindful that things change over time will make you much happier as you're adjusting your diet. 
So these are the basic influences I would love to see you become mindful of as you're becoming your own scientist, as you become your own doctor, to engineer your diet for your body and for your life. This is Dr. Evan Hughes, and thank you for joining us for The Vitality Project.